Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen Hong. Hi, J. Keith. Helen, what have you been up to since our last recording? I uh, came back from Turkey. Oh. It was my first time visiting the Middle East and or a Muslim country, and it was amazing. It was, I went to Istanbul for a couple of days by myself. I had many dinners on terraces where I heard competing like rap battles of the Muslim call to prayer. It was amazing. Very exciting. What about you? I went to uh, Singapore. Ooh. Uh, I, You'd been there before. I had been there before. Uh, so this time, I did not spend that much time in Singapore itself, but I went on a boat and I went scuba diving for a weekend. It was my first live aboard scuba diving trip. I did five. Wait, live aboard? Live aboard, live aboard. What's that? Live a, you live aboard a ship. Oh! Yes. Yes. Live aboard. Live aboard. Cool. Live aboard. Live aboard. Uh, and I did not have liver, and I was not bored, <laughs> which was very nice. I did uh, on one day. I did five dives. That's amazing. It's a lot of fish. And then I did my first uh, my first nighttime dive. Oh, could you see stuff? At uh, night? When you turned the flashlight on, yes. Ah. Uh, when the flashlight was not on, uh, it was a terrible nightmare. You were just bumping into. Yeah. No, it was it was bumping bad. into stuff. <laughs> I have night I have nightmares where I can't see and my machine is or sorry, and my breathing is dependent on a machine and I can't go up be, or else I'll uh, you know have have blood explode. <laughs> So other than that, it was great. So you faced <laughs> you faced a terror. I faced my fears and uh, fishies, which is, which is nice. If you're going to face your fears, I recommend adding fishies yeah, as well. Yeah, fishies are awesome. Um, all right, let's do this show. All right. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guests. Helen, who is up first? He is a comedian and writer for Billy on the Street and co-host of the podcast Keep It on Crooked Media. It's Louis Vertel. Louis Vertel. Have a seat right there. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> now, now, backstage, you were extremely uh, uh, peppy sure. and assertive, and now you seem a little shy and well, withdrawn. It's, well, my dream is to answer trivia questions in ah, front of people. Like, right. it's all I want to do. Like, I right. want a spelling bee in third grade, and instead of, like, becoming an adult and learning that that's not how what, what adult fulfillment is, it's all I want to <laughs> oh, win okay. things like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just hoping I don't mess up my only dream. Oh, okay. Well, were you, wait, I'm fascinated by yeah. the spelling bee win. Were you like super competitive and were you like hold up reading the dictionary and stuff like that? Yes. Uh, and I, I just have a, a, a German hardness about me anyway. <laughs> and I'm sure that translated in a scary way when I was eight years old. It has not changed. What was your winning word? Do you remember? Yes. Um, I was up against somebody who I was told was a quote unquote Russian prodigy. Oh. He was not. He was just a year older than I was. And... <laughs> Not even Russian? I don't yeah. know. It's kind of the opposite um, of a prodigy when they're older than you. Right. Yeah. Um, 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 I think I spelled forfeit because he misspelled it. And then I was charged with that word, and I got to school him, which was he nice. He forfeited the win. Precisely. Hey. Yes. The yes. poem writes itself. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's 
Uh, Helen mentioned that you write for Billy on the Street. I do, yes. Uh, I love that show. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Billy, uh, what's his name? Eichner. Yeah. I uh, love the show. Love, love the show. I almost said Joel. For some reason, I don't, know, I don't know if Billy Joel could stand up that long. I was going to say, him running around the streets of yeah, New York yeah. would sell. Exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, so, but he, he runs around asking people questions. I mean, literally runs. Literally, literally runs. Literally runs. Like yes. at full speed at people. So you're running, you're writing the questions, or you, you're setting up some of the scenarios. What yes, a lot of the time it'll be, you know, uh, give give him something to yell alongside. I don't know uh, who would be on, Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Make Lupita Nyong'o hilarious will be a joke. Well, something I have to do, which yeah. is like a task I'm happy to do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> great. Uh, tell us about this uh, this podcast that you do. Keep it. Uh, it's a mixture of, uh, of pop culture, but also politics. Yes, I do my best to keep it pop culture because okay. that I find that less boring. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, it's on Crooked Media, which is run by you know like super smart white guys, <laughs> and uh, who uh, uh, host Pod Save America and uh, lots of great political podcasts. And then we come in and we, you know, say like, what's up with Stacey Dash this week? <laughs> and the answer is never good. <laughs> so, always a lot to talk about. Yes, and uh, Ira Madison III is the main host, uh, brilliant writer uh, for the Daily Beast, and Kara Brown, who is a TV writer. Yeah. Terrific. And uh, uh, You guys have, like, legit cred. There's some uh, some crap. I do my best to diminish it. Yes. <laughs> There's been an interesting intersection of pop culture and and politics more o- over the last few years. Yes. And, well, to be honest, what uh, annoys me is uh, I love shows like John Oliver, etc. But occasionally, because of that overlap, mm-hmm. they'll have to make jokes about entertainment. I'm like, no, you're not sitting there with like the almanac for Oscar winners from the 1970s. <laughs> like, let let us do that. <laughs> Uh, an interest that you and I share that I want to talk to you about is the vintage television game show, What's My Line? Obsessed. I think it's, uh, outside of Jeopardy, the greatest game show of all time. It's yes. great. Now, uh, now, oh, yeah, sure. Why not yes. some applause? Uh, Most versions, too. I prefer the original version, oh, but I like course. the subsequent ones, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love, uh, so for those who don't know, I actually uh, hosted a live on stage version of What's My Line for, for several years where we had people on the show who had been on the original show. And, you know, I, got, I, I believe I've watched every single episode of the original show. Which is spectacular. Thank I mean, like, and most of it is now on YouTube, thankfully. So yeah. I've seen a lot of it myself. Yeah. yeah. Now, how did how did you come to be a fan of that show? Um, what's my line? Yeah. God, that's a good again, question. It was off the, it's been off the air for yeah, even after and the reboot you're for young. decades. Yeah. Well, weirdly, I grew up in a time where like the USA Network would replay every game show, and I became obsessed with game shows that way. Wow. And so, I, and after that, I became a completist. I've got to see all the episodes of Split Second. I've got to see, and but I eventually made my way yeah. back to the fifties. And Arlene Francis oh, is one of the great... Oh, binge-watching used yeah. to be called a completist. Did yes, you guys right. know that? <laughs> it's such a classier way of saying, I'm a completist. Yes. I'm not just obsessed. Well, we're yeah. happy that you're here. You are bigger than a bread box, Mr. Yes. Lewis Fertel. Yes. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Lewis be playing? She provides the voice of the Wicked Witch in Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz on Boomerang and was an original cast member of the Not Ready for Primetime Players on Saturday Night Live. It's Lorraine Newman! Lorraine Newman! Lorraine, I feel like we should... I feel like we have we should have a contest of saying Lorraine Newman in that old. In, it on is the, very difficult to say your name and not try Lorraine to sound like Lorraine Newman. Aww, there was something particularly about your your name that resonated with. It's the, so with his cool. Voice. It's I just I I want to do it now like Lorraine Newman. I just yeah. want to do it constantly. Yeah. Do you I, find it very annoying when people do that? By the way. 
No. Okay, phew. Okay, good. I forgot to ask you that backstage it, before. It's like asking me, are you annoyed by me coming up to you and telling you how talented I think you are? Yes! <laughs> God! I was telling Lorraine backstage that I grew up at a particular time where, like for instance, All About Eve is one of my favorite movies. I have seen Problem Child 2 more than I have seen All About Eve. <laughs> she was the first ferocious woman wearing all red I ever Ooh. saw. I love that. And I was telling Lewis that... Um, a girl said to me once recently that she had gone as my character in that movie for Halloween twice. That was probably the most impressive thing. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, every time, I, every year I'd go to Coachella, all the guards recognized me from that movie. Well, I don't what? know why. Well, good to know that if you're ever stuck for a costume on Halloween, you just go out as yourself. Bust it out. Because yeah. I'm sure I'd fit into that costume now. <laughs> now, Lorraine, eagle-eared listeners, if that's a phrase, uh, will note that you were recently an expert on one of our episodes. Yeah, uh, on Saturday Night Live. That's yes. right, when uh, Drew Drogi uh, chose that topic, and yes. now you're, you're here as a guest. So in case people are wondering, how do I be a guest on the show? Be an expert on something <laughs> and also be an accomplished and famous person. Uh, yeah. uh, well, thank you We're for happy coming. to have you back. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. Now, Helen mentioned in her introduction that you voice uh, the Wicked Witch in a series. Uh, do, uh, do you owe uh, Ms. Hamilton a uh, tip of the cap in your voice, or do you do something completely absolutely. different? Absolutely. I have a, uh, something I got off of YouTube, a recording of her, and I listen to it right before I go into the session. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And so that kind of drops you into the character. Absolutely. Wow. Is it a tough voice to sort of pick up? It's, it's very, very distinct. And I also think one of the great Oscar snubs of all time, Mar Margaret Hamilton not being nominated for Gone with the Wind. I have all, I have all sorts of scoops you need to hear. <laughs> yes, yes, really. Yes. <laughs> um, it is. I mean, there, I think that there is something similar to our voices to begin with. So that's kind of a head start. But it is easy for me. How do you go about creating a voice when you're, because when you're, you do a lot of animation. In addition to that, you've got three Netflix series that are going to be out by the time this, uh, this runs, and you've done a whole bunch of different stuff for Nickelodeon and all sorts of other uh, outlets. How, how do you go about creating a new voice for something? Well, it, it, it's several ways. I mean, sometimes you'll look at the drawing, and that will inspire a sound for you. There's also, like, bad impressions that uh, look <laughs> like an original character. I think Hank Azaria said that one time. And then there's, like, your trunk. You know, it's like I open up my trunk of uh, various voices that I've done and maybe augment them a little, and that passes for creating a new kit. <laughs> <laughs> you have to modify it just enough. Yeah, but I'm also my voice is hoarse today. I'm sorry, it's not me. Yeah. It is you. But the gravitas is intact. Yes, yes, yes. No. yes. It's yes. very, I don't know, Tallulah Bankhead yeah. today. Ooh, we'll take it. Uh, so tell us about these three Netflix series that you're, you're doing. Well, it's so funny because one of them, I just got an email saying, it's dropped, but you can't talk about it because your character isn't on yet. Oh, so, scoop. So, but the two I, I can talk about um, is Captain Underpants and um, Three Below, which Fans is... Fans of Captain Underpants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a sequel to Troll Hunters, uh, which I was also in, uh, which is a Guillermo del Toro show. Super cool. That's very cool. And you do a lot of voices. Uh, have you ever had scenes with yourself where you're playing multiple oh, characters? Oh, all the time. Really? What all is that like? Uh, it's hard. It's like rubbing your stomach and patting your head. <laughs> there are some people who are really good at it, like Frank Welker. And, oh, my God, I could name so many people who are good at it, not me. Oh. But uh, How do you do, do you do, like, all the lines for the one character and then go back and do all the lines that for the other? That is one way of doing it. But if they're really distinctively different characters, it's easier. Mm -hmm. But if they're a little bit similar, it's hard to go back and forth. And then I'll just do 
one pass right. and then another pass. Yeah. Did, you ever, did you ever hear yourself and then respond to it and then think, oh, who was that other voice? And then like, oh, that was me. That was me. <laughs> Stay out of my head, yeah. Keith. <laughs> well, actually, I'm wondering, did you, did you ever see a show and, and not realize that that was your voice that you just Yes, heard? yeah. That's so cool That's to be that happened. Um, or that forgetful. I'm not sure which. <laughs> well, forgetful, too. I remember seeing a, a trailer for... Uh, happily never after or something like that and thinking like oh, why didn't I get to work on that and then I got a call the next day hey great job on happily never after. <laughs> I guess I did work on that uh, have you worked with Guillermo del Toro like personally he directed me he, he was on um, oh my god he was on a um, podcast um, right before I did this and he was talking about all the projects that he had going. He's a busy guy. Yeah. So I thought, well, he won't be at the session. Well, he was. <gasps> and, and what's he like as a director? He's fantastic. I was wearing my Famous Monsters mask, Masks t-shirt. And um, we were just trying to find the characters. You know, one is a, a drama teacher. And he says, I want her to sound like Miss Hathaway from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> like, How do you know that God. He's that was amazing. a really good Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, by the way. Oh, thank you. I love picturing Guillermo del Toro watching the Beverly Hillbillies. I like, know. <laughs> like in a lair. I know. <laughs> Let's give a nice hand to both of our guests, Louis Vertel and Lorraine Newman. Now, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside of your field of work in which you feel you have expertise. Louis, you said you know a lot about Jeopardy. I do. World Capitals. I do. And Amy Mann. Y yes. Tell us about a little bit about each of those. Um, I've watched Jeopardy more than any other TV show, period. As in, I think sometimes w when people keep up on TV, I'm like, how do they do that? And I realize, oh, I was watching Jeopardy during that entire time. <laughs> um, it's just the fastest trivia, the most trivia in a half hour you can get. So uh, we'll always watch it. Uh, mm -hmm. Was on it once. Mm -hmm. um, uh, World Capitals, I love trivia that does not change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or that, changes very slowly. Yeah, that's yes. a good tip for upcoming guests who are picking their topics. Um, so every once in a while, I just refresh that Wikipedia page and make sure I still know about, you know, Ouagadougou and all those things. Yeah. Um, well, I then, just got back from Istanbul, so some things do change. See, right. Yeah. Some things yeah. do change. Um, not Constantinople. Hashtag not Constantinople. Precisely. Okay. Um, and uh, Amy Mann. I would say Amy Mann is literally the only, only songwriter who writes about things I care about, like... What's with people who are sociopathically charming? You know, just like she's curious right. about people and like yeah. sarcastic and right. And I, I, I just, I believe, I, I believe people who are funny and I just feel, find her so funny and rad. So, and I think she lives like kind of up the street from me and I'm always wondering if she's around town. Oh. I'm starting to think of you as sociopathically charming, to be honest. I'm happy to be, yeah, well. <laughs> He's we'll blushing. <laughs> I'll, I'll take half of that. Uh, Lorraine, you said you know a lot about EDM, electronic dance music. Wow, yes. really? Well, um, I live for the drop. And, <laughs> uh, I, it, it really taps into my rage. It yeah. just, you know, really reaches my rage, and I am so happy when I hear it. You know, I'd, I'd go to Coachella, I'd stay in the Sahara tent because that was all EDM, and, you know, I'd just be over by the speakers, which were like a defibrillator at that point, <laughs> and just, I love it. You're so cool. Yeah. 
I just want to hang out with you all the time. Thank you. Thanks. Well, there's a, a, a DJ uh, called Trolley Snatcher. He's English. And he follows me on Twitter. That made my life. <laughs> okay? Whoever thought growing up that that's something you, you would even end up saying. Even he, an, EDM you know, an EDM artist follows me on Twitter and that's made my life. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's like there are certain songs that I'll say that I like and his response would be, good Lord. <laughs> like they're too hardcore for him. <laughs> you also said, Lorraine, that you know a lot about cooking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not right. much to say there. I watch cooking shows. I do yeah. like to cook. It's very uh, yeah. relaxing for me. You live for that lemon drop. That's right. <laughs> uh, and then finally, you said you know a lot about universal horror movies from the 1930s and 40s. Amazing. That's right. I love them. I love horror in general. I've, I've loved horror since I was four years old when I saw a movie called X-76 Blood Rust, which I just saw recently, and Mo Howard is in it. <laughs> but it's great. It's, and so Are we going to go then. four minutes without dropping a name that I've never heard before? Aww. I feel like not. I you feel like are not. an embryo. <laughs> Helen, Nick Jonas. Oh, okay. Nick Jonas. I'm, I'm and back Helen's on back. Board. I'm back on board. Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person does have a chance to steal. Your subject today, signs. Up first is Lewis. Okay. Lewis, on land, they both pretty much mean the same thing. But when scuba diving, what is the difference between the thumbs up sign and the okay sign? Oof. Are you a scuba diver? No. All right. Uh, I, I scuba dive in the Wikipedia of best supporting actress winners. <laughs> That's you where do that I spelunk. Kind of dive. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'll give it your best shot. Okay, so the okay signal and the thumbs up sign. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to say, ooh, thumbs up means you're ready to go under, and okay means there's plenty of oxygen in my tank. <laughs> All right. But you need to signal to somebody? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we have Lewis's answer. We don't know yet if he's correct. Lorraine, what do you think? Um, well, I think the thumbs up uh, gesture means that you are going to surface. And the OK sign means that there's a nitrogen bubble in my lungs. <laughs> very specific signal for a very specific incident. Uh, all right, well, this segment is running out of air, so let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. The OK sign means everything is OK. It can be used as a question, are you OK? and as an answer, yes, I am okay. The thumbs up sign means ascend or go up to the surface. It can be used to say, I want to go up or it's time to go up. And you do not want to mix those up. That's right, and after a certain depth, if you go up without making a safety stop for decompression, you will not be okay. So uh, what does that mean as far as our points go, Helen? I'm gonna give Lewis half a point because you did say okay means plenty of oxygen, which, you know, means things are okay in, in one sense. So I'm going to give Lewis uh, half a point and then one point for Lorraine. You did get uh, the thumbs up sign. All right, yeah. very good, Lorraine and Lewis. <clears throat> I hope to make it into whole numbers soon. <laughs> <laughs> up next, Lorraine, your question about signs comes from a listener. Avidan Ackerson of Fairlawn, New Jersey asks, on the road, what is the difference between a dead end and a no outlet? A dead end and no outlet. Oh my God. Well, I know that a dead end is pretty much no outlet, mm -hmm. a street that ends and uh, that's Somebody it. Somebody dies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, no outlet means, 
I guess that there's no through way, that there's no, sometimes streets will dead end, but there is like an alley or something. So that's the only thing I can think it might be. All right, well, we've got Lorraine's answer. Lewis, what do you think? Okay, maybe I have it. I think a dead end, the sign would be right as the street ends, and no outlet would be at the beginning of the street before you hit, Ooh. say, like a, a, a street leading to a cul-de-sac or something. Oh, yeah. He's All right. right. Well, this segment has reached a dead end, so let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A dead end sign is for the single street that you're on. It tells you that it's not going to connect to any other road. Any stretch of street with a cul-de-sac is a dead end. A no outlet sign is for a road network that has only one way in and one way out. The street you're on can connect to other roads, but not to a way out of the neighborhood. To get out, you have to go back the way you came. Just like life. No, not really. Uh, what does that mean as far as our scoring goes, Helen? I'm going to say Lorraine got a point and a half for that because you did say a dead end ends, mm-hmm. which is true. And then no outlet, you said there's no through way, which is vaguely true. So I'm going to give you half, half Vaguely point for true. That. That's yeah. what we aim for here yeah. on Go Factor, so. Yeah. What does that mean at the end of our first round, Helen? At the end of the first round, Louis Bertel has half a point and Lorraine Newman has two and a half points. That's right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. everybody, I'm your oldest brother, Justin McElroy. I'm your middlest brother, Travis McElroy. And I'm your sweet baby brother, Griffin McElroy. Me and 3,000 of your closest friends just found your next podcast obsession. Cereal! Okay, but like, the second best podcast. 99% Oh, f- just listen to my brother, my brother, and me on MaximumFun.org. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Do you like trivia? Well, you're listening to a trivia podcast, so I'm guessing yes. Well, you know what? I do, too. In fact, aside from hosting Go Fact Yourself, a highlight of my week is playing in a live trivia night with friends at a local bar. And the great people at Geeks Who Drink host weekly live trivia nights in over 1,000 bars, restaurants, and craft breweries in 48 states. It's free to play, you can win prizes, and the trivia is top-notch. Their editor-in-chief is six-time Jeopardy! champion Christopher Short. And if you really want to put yourself to the test, check out Geek Bowl, America's largest trivia night, hosted annually by Geeks Who Drink. The next Geek Bowl will be in Las Vegas on March 2, 2019. For information on Geek Bowl, weekly trivia nights, or their special theme quizzes, go to geekswhodrink.com. That's geekswhodrink.com. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself, where our score is Louis Vertel with half a point and Lorraine Newman with two and a half points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. Thank you, everybody. Louis, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Jeopardy, World Capitals, and Amy Mann. Today, we want to talk to you about Jeopardy. The trivia fans are delighted. Now, first of all, we have to mention you were on Jeopardy. Uh, yes, I was on three years ago mm-hmm. for one episode. I believe it is tacky to win Jeopardy. <laughs> um, That's right. It's so gauche. Right. Very yes. showy. It's yeah. worth knowing that uh, life has led me to having friends who are massive Jeopardy champions, and a few of them are here with us right now, including <laughs> th- some of the biggest winners of all time, including Jerome Barrett. Hi, guys. Hi, Pam. Um, uh, 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 but uh, yes, it's just it, it's my favorite. 
my favorite show. I love game shows, and it's my number one game show. So. And when you were on, you actually had a moment that went viral. Uh, if you want the truth, it's actually the most watched Jeopardy clip in history. But what? Yes, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Do you tell. Nah, I don't want the truth. I don't need to know. <laughs> no, no, of course. Yes, tell us about that. Do you tell. Uh, uh, I was behind in the double Jeopardy round, and I got, uh, it was in Arthur Miller category, and I got a daily double. I wagered close to everything. And then this thing happens when I get questions right, and I'm surprised to get them, where I become, shall we say, volcanically gay. <laughs> I was excited to get it, and I uh, just snapped on camera, like snapped my fingers, in a very in living color sort of, you know, uh, you know, sister sort of way. And uh, it caught on. It was within the frame, so it made a pretty good gif. Occasionally, I still see myself in BuzzFeed articles. <laughs> wow. I'm still trying to get past volcanically gay. Yeah. <laughs> as, opposed to, as opposed to, like, tornado-ly gay. Right. Yes, yes. No, his, his docile gay, yes, <laughs> yes right. No. Hurricane gay. No, his, yeah, his gay beautiful. blocks the roads. Yes. Um, <laughs> my gay stars Anne Hayes in 1997. <laughs> his gay now, had a competing movie star, yes. <laughs> starring Pierce Brosnan. Um, now, now that's gay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, what, what do you think about that moment uh, caught on with people so much? Because there was something very viscerally satisfying. But, uh, as, as, a, as a straight guy, I think it was just watching somebody who was, who was so authentically being themselves and, and celebrating something, especially maybe in, a, in an arena that usually is maybe more stolid and stoic. I don't understand why people aren't oh, more okay. expressive on Jeopardy. I, I mean, it's just, it's like, it's a hard game. Mm -hmm. And when you do well, it's surprising no matter what, because there's always a chance you're going to be out buzzed or whatever. And they give you so much practice that you're comfortable at the buzzer. So you'd think when you do well, more people would be yeah. expressive and cocky, you know? Yeah. We're starting to get a little bit more of that. You see more contestants with like... I think it's like, Alex yeah. Trebek, though, right? Maybe. Because he gives that like very, like, mm, keep it in the lines, kid. Like right. that vibe <laughs> a little bit. His vibe is very uncle at Thanksgiving who heard you got a B plus and is mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now that led to some opportunities for you, uh, that, that moment that you had on Jeopardy. Is that right? Um, yeah, kind of. Well, I'll say this. Uh, uh, on uh, the podcast, I hope keep it, I had assumed that part of the reason I was hired to do the job was they had seen me on Jeopardy, and I was like, oh, who's this pop culture guy? Literally, last week, they sent me this gift. They're like, is this you? <laughs> <laughs> and now you've had relatives who've been on the show as well. My brother Jim was on. Uh, he also lost in Final Jeopardy, and my cousin Mary Grace was on, and she also lost, but more gracefully than the two of us did. <laughs> yes. Wait, so you come from a very trivia, like, strong family. Yeah, uh, my mom has... 12 brothers and sisters, and I have about 45 cousins. And wow. I, I would say literally all of them have bizarre memories. It just makes no, I've, I've never experienced anything like it. Now, when I'm hanging out with all these trivia people in LA, where there's a big congregation of trivia people, I, I'm around it a lot. But growing up, it was normal to me. And then I slowly learned how weird it was meeting <laughs> other people. Yes. It's like, wait, what, really? You don't know all of the Bible verses and all yeah. of the capitals of uh, Canadian provinces? Precisely. No. Yeah, right. Uh, How lonely a life I've led, yes. <laughs> no. Wait, so you guys are just genetically superior in your brain power? But it's, the, the weird thing about Jeopardy also is that people think, oh, if you get on the show, you're smart, but having a verbal memory is just a facility. Like, it's not, it doesn't mean you are insightful, you know? So it's just, if, if that function makes you interesting, then I'm almost interesting. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you see the show differently now that you've been on it? I assume you still watch. Yeah, I mean, like, and I just kind of taken off, like, when you watch the show and you haven't been on yet, you're always accumulating, right? Like, you're adding to what you know and, like, 
refreshing the things you thought you knew. And now it's just, I'm like a grizzled veteran, just, you know, smoking on the couch, being like, well, if I had that Final Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, now they get the, the, the best actress Final Jeopardy question? You don't say. Yeah. How the nice vo- for the you. volcano has gone out. Right, <laughs> yes. Right, yes. Still smoldering, that yeah. Yeah. magma. Um, uh, Alex Trebek can't host a show forever. Do you, have, do you have ideas for who you think should be the next host? I do want to say that I am angry that he can't host forever. Yeah, I truly yeah. think he, he is, really is so he's, great. I think he's also, in a way, underrated on the show. Like yeah. People think he's, I don't know, pretentious or smug, but he really wants people to do their best. And I think as much as you give him personality, he gives it to you back. Mm. Really? I think he's awkward with awkward people. That's my, yeah. that's my harebrained theory. Okay. Um, Wait, what did he do with you in your volcanic gay moment? Well... He reacted to it, and then during the break, he, he came up to me and goes, where do you perform comedy? <laughs> As if he's going to show up to, like, FUBAR on a Wednesday night. You never know. Stranger things have happened. But FUBAR, um, I will FUBAR say, is fun. I want um, Meredith Vieira to take over. She's my pick. Oh, yeah. interesting. I thought she was brilliant on Millionaire. I thought she was brilliant. Yeah, I really liked her on Millionaire, too. Yeah. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in Jeopardy to test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show off, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. Okay. Now, if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. But people say here that only losers really use the hints. I guess. No, no, I'm kidding. No. I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm just trying to shame not true. You. Uh, now, Lorraine, listen closely because if Lewis answers incorrectly and you know the correct answer, you can steal. Lorraine, by the way, how much do you know about Jeopardy? Um, uh, I know fuck all about Je- <laughs> Jeopardy. There you go. <laughs> all right, uh, Lewis, here is your first question about Jeopardy. What television legend created Jeopardy and wrote its famous theme? The delectable Merv Griffin. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. I did not have delectable in my notes, but I'll, I'll accept that as well. <laughs> Uh, number two, Alex Trebek has hosted every episode of Jeopardy since 1984, except for one. Who took over for one show in 1997? It was April 1st, and it was Pat Sajak. Helen? Wow, that's correct. That is correct. <laughs> Easy peasy. Yeah. Alex hosted Wheel of Fortune, and Pat Sajak hosted Jeopardy. I think we were running into a buzzsaw here with Mr. Vertel. <laughs> uh, here we go with question number three. Jeopardy had several incarnations before it reappeared in 1984. Right. In fact, in 1965, what future presidential candidate appeared on the show winning his only game? That's right. It was John McCain. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Wow. Shortly before he left to fight in Vietnam. Uh, number four. In 2001, Jeopardy added the Clue Crew, who travel the world shooting video clues. Of the four original crew members, two are still on the show. Name them. Okay. Uh, I'm being sure this is right. Uh, I want to say it's Sarah, and let me think. Hold on. You do have a, a hint available if you'd like to use it. I don't want to take it. All right. Ooh. And Jimmy. Sarah and Jimmy. Helen? That is correct. That yes. is correct. Yeah. Sarah Whitcomb Foss and Jimmy McGuire. The By ones the, who are no longer with the show are? Sophia and then a blonde-haired, I don't know, then that other woman uh, whose name is actually escaping me right now. Cheryl. Cheryl. Cheryl's the other one. Wow. Can I All say, right. by the way, when I was on the show and I was in the commissary just eating lunch, like you see the clue crew walking around, it is very <laughs> disillusioning. <laughs> Ron, they why? just walk among you. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, were they holding pandas? No, they, but, no, they were just, whatever, they were having, like, whatever pad thai was available, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so pedestrian. All yeah. right, let's see if you can go five for five, Lewis. Number five, Saturday Night Live is famous for its Jeopardy sketches. Mm-hmm. In the first one they ever did, who portrayed the contestant at the middle position? Okay. Well, I mean, I want to say the first one had uh, Burt Reynolds, so I want to say it was... You do have a hint available. Okay. Like mm, all right, I'll take a hint. Helen, okay. how about that hint? 
It was called Jeopardy 1999 and aired in 1976. Oh, okay, so really old Jeopardy, okay. Ooh. Oh, who played the... Con- Might it have been Lorraine Newman? Helen? That is correct! It is Lorraine Newman! <laughs> I'm sitting there going, God, I should remember this. Who was it? <laughs> I'm sorry we did not give you a chance to steal. Louis Fortel is five for five, ladies and gentlemen. That was so exhilarating, I could cry. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if you can go for the clean sweep here. The here crowd is now your eru- by the way, the crowd erupted like yeah. a volcano, guys. Yeah. We combined worlds. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. Okay. It is time for your cluster fact. <laughs> this question is so high-level, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. The okay. answer is worth up to three points. The all-time record for one-day Jeopardy winnings was set in 2010 when a player won $77,000. That broke the previous record of $75,000, which was set in 2004. And that record broke a record that lasted for nearly 10 years, a $34,000 win in 1992, before the dollar values doubled. For up to three points, name these three record-breaking players. The most recent one is Roger Craig, who I've never met, and uh, I would like to. Uh, that was the $77,000 win. Then before that was Ken Jennings, who won 75000 And then before that, I do want... Uh, can you give me the year on that again? That year was 1992. Yeah. I think that's my friend Jerome Verrett, who's in front of me right now. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers, and we have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have today? Here with us tonight, we have a writer who is also one of the all-time <laughs> winners of Jeopardy, Jerome Verrett. <laughs> 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 well, Jerome, I don't think we quite surprised uh, Louis Vertel. He doesn't know that Dorothy Kilgallen is actually following me up. <laughs> wow, now that would be a guess. Uh, Helen, anything? Dorothy Kilgallen, anything? Nothing. Nothing, uh, no. Totally no. blank-eyed, I'm just glazed she, over. She was, she was another a panelist on oh, What's My Life. Oh, yes. wow. Also, Helen, Joe Jonas. Oh, I'm back. And we're I'm back. back, guys. Uh, and here's one more piece of trivia. I saw Lorraine at the Hollywood primary that she used to do oh at uh, the Hollywood Roosevelt back in the early 80s. Oh, with political Chris satire. Guest and uh, Ed Begley Jr. And oh my God, yeah. yeah. Wow. wow, world's Indeed. colliding again. We usually try to hide our experts in the room, but Lewis <laughs> spotted you eagle-eyed right uh, away. Well, Backstage, Lewis said, oh, Jerome Barrett is here. <laughs> During the introductions, you said, oh, my friend Jerome is here. <laughs> During the cluster fact, you said, oh, and Jerome, who was right here. Yeah. So, Jerome, we- welcome. <laughs> Thanks. We were supposed to go to a trivia thing after this, but Lewis is blowing me off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm going to tell Lewis he's wrong. How do, I how am do, the <laughs> trivia thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how do you two know each other, Jerome? Uh, we met at a trivia thing, and then we've been playing uh, often on the same team at O'Brien's in Santa Monica. Wow. Wednesday nights, 8 o'clock, bring some friends. What? <laughs> Terrific. Which, I by the way, I mean, again, I, I grew up thinking I was like, the number one trivia person I knew. Mm-hmm. Every week I go to O'Brien's, and I am outclassed by, I'm telling you, everybody. It is, <laughs> wow. I, I hope no. everybody gets an experience where they are shown up that often, and it's enriching. Yeah. I have that feeling whenever I go to karaoke in Los Angeles, and I'm like, who are these freaking Motown bitches? <laughs> <laughs> where did you all come from? It's supposed to be for amateurs, damn it. Jerome, uh, you broke the, well, like, it's spoiled now, I guess. You, did, you were one of the record breakers. I was, yes. Uh, did you deliberately try to break the record when you realized it was in, within reach? At that point, no, because, well, the record, the record that had been set it was only about two years before, 
and that was just I wanted to get up there. There was a chance for me to take the five day at that point, but I ran the risk of not winning, so I just said, let Frank be famous. Frank Spangenberg, the cop. <laughs> they wanted to see a nice cop on, yeah. on Conan. Conan doesn't want me <laughs> on the show. Uh, and then you also participated in a very special tournament of champions that they had. Yes, yes. And in fact, I was a little upset because the guy who had, there were a few, once they doubled the money, it became a little more trivial to top 34,000. And there was a guy who had had it and ended up having it for about 14 months. I just did all the research before I came up here. Ooh. And they called me and said, oh, we want you to come onto this show. And I said, great. Do I get seated like all these other people? I said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't. But I had the one-day record. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give me any special treatment. This was called, what was it, the, the, the Tournament of Champions it was of Champions? The ultimate, ultimate Tournament of Champions. And we have some players in the audience here who what? were on there, too. Pam Mueller, college champion winner. And I don't think maybe there's the only one who showed up, but there was supposed to be more. So, uh, so there is a nice camaraderie amongst uh, former champions. On the surface, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they're seething with jealousy that they didn't get to be the answer to a question. Oh, the schadenfreude is palpable. Oh, it's strong. It's palpable. Cut your teeth yeah. on that schadenfreude. Uh, but I mentioned that... I, mentioned I sometimes that want to be harder than that schadenfreude, but yeah. thank God for yeah. pharmaceuticals. So, so you entered this ultimate tournament of champions. There was, I think, about 144 players who... who wow, yes. Seated, you know, yes. Who, who got the chance to face Ken Jennings in the, in the final, yeah. and you made it to the final. Yes, I did. And both of us were beaten horribly by Brad Rutter. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> but it was fun, and we got lots of money. Great. It was also an amazing tournament to watch, and I think a lot of it is on YouTube if you're so inclined. You still watch as well, I presume? Oh, yes. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game goes. You heard the question that we asked of Lewis. We wanted to know who were the all-time one-day champions, who had the most recent record, whose record did that break, and whose record did that break. Helen, remind everyone of the answers that Lewis gave us. Lewis said Roger Craig, Ken Jennings, and Jerome Varad. Well, Roger held the record for seven years and nine months, still going. Ken for six years and three months, and I for just three weeks short of ten years. So, <laughs> so yes. in other words, Lewis is correct. Lewis is correct. Well, yes. Lewis, yes, Lewis is perfect correct. Perfect score on Yay. today's episode of Go Back Yourself. Five for five plus the cluster pack. Jerome, if people want to find out more about you or see you uh, see your work on Jeopardy, where can they find you? Well, actually, just come down to O'Brien's on Wednesday night and play. We need more players. Everyone here should come and play. Jerome Varane, so, ladies and gentlemen. Yay. Helen, what is our score at the end of that segment? At the end of that segment, Louis Vertel has eight and a half points, and Lorraine Newman has two and a half points with a round of questions coming up. That's right. We'll talk with Lorraine about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Lorraine and Louis will go head-to-head -head in our Fast Facts round to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself! You probably know that Max Fun podcasters are funny in the talking way, but did you know they also are funny in the writing way? We are very excited to announce that John Hodgman and Paula Poundstone wrote books that have been named as semi-finalists for the 2018 Thurber Prize for American Humor. John Hodgman, celebrated fake internet court presider, is the host of Judge John Hodgman and was recognized for his book Vacation Land. Paula Poundstone's book is called The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and you can hear her expound on happiness and many other topics on her new podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. The Thurber Prize is one of the highest awards for humor writing in the United States, and we are proud to have both these authors on Maximum Fun every week. Paula Poundstone and John Hodgman, congratulations.
to go fact yourself where our score is Louis Vertel with eight and a half points and Lorraine Newman with two and a half points. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Lorraine, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about EDM, cooking, and universal horror movies from 1930s and 40s. Today, we're going to ask you about universal horror movies. Ooh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You seem, you seem excited and relieved. I'm excited and relieved, but, you know, watch me die a rat's death. Let's go. <laughs> oh, that's called a winner's attitude. Yes. So. Is that the one that you're, like, most, you're, like, yeah, I, I know. Feel, I feel enthusiastic confident. about it. I know it's going to be fun. Excellent. Oh, that is an attitude that we like, and we, we guarantee that it is guaranteed not valid in California. <laughs> um, why did you choose this subject? Why do you know so much about horror movies of that era from Universal? Well, I, those are some of the first movies I ever saw. Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame with Charles Lawton. Um, Werewol Werewolf of London with Henry Hull. And, um, of course, Dracula and Frankenstein. And Bride of Frankenstein, which is an excellent movie. And if you read up about it, it, it talks about how it actually surpassed Frankenstein. It's one of those sequels, like Alien, that is better than the first one. Ooh. And as it has an Dr. Pretorius. Hot take, hot take. Oh, yeah. Hot, as, hot as take on Frankenstein sequels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do, you, do you have a favorite one of those? Is, is Bride of Frankenstein your favorite? I think it's, yeah, of, of, yeah absolutely. And, uh, when well, and the Black Cat. The Black Cat with Boris Karloff yeah. and Bela Lugosi is an amazing, amazing movie. How did you get into that specific era, though? Because it's it just, before those your are, time. Well, but those are classics, and it happened to be that Universal released them. Ah. I miss when celebrities were scary in Hungarian, like Bela Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and did you, did you actually find them scary? Like, were you, were you horrified watching these movies? It's funny, you know, I think people who are horror fans... Uh, they'll watch between the fingers that are cov covering their eyes, mm -hmm. but then the hands slowly come down, and it's like, you know, okay, scare me. <laughs> you know? and this sounds like a lot of Tinder dates I've been on. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, but how old were you when you first started watching them? Like, were you were uh, Four kid? years old. What? Yeah. Your parents let you watch these when you were well, four? Well, I don't know who took my brother and I to see a horror movie at that age, but, uh, yeah, we saw this one called X-76 Blood Rust, and it was about something that kind of was like the blob. From what I remembered about it, it was conceived in a sparklets bottle, and if you touched it, it would, you would die. And um, the denouement is it breaking its way through the cargo hold of an airplane and everybody freaking out. And you thought, I'm in. I yeah, want, I, I want am more. in. It's got my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in universal horror movies to test your mastery in the subject with our expert-level question worth up to three points. Before that, let's let you show off. Here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you are allowed a total of two hints during these five questions. Okay. Now, Lewis, if she gets any of them wrong, you can steal. How much do you know about universal horror movies from the 1930s and 40s? <sighs> I'm going to say out of 10, I'm at about a 1.6. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. maybe she won't give you a chance to steal like you didn't give her a chance. Let's Precisely. see. Oh, like go. I could have answered any of his questions. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've got the Clue Crew tattooed on your arm, right? You know all <laughs> that. Right. All right, Lorraine, here's your first question about Universal Horror Movies. Although they both had decades-long acting careers before 1931, Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff each rocketed to start in that year after appearing in which two Universal films? What was the date? 1931. Oh. Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, each appeared in films. Well, I think it was 32, Dracula and Frankenstein. Helen? That is correct. That is yes. correct. <laughs> and if it is 1932, we will fire our research staff. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, number two. 
Ian McKellen received an Oscar nomination for his role in 1998's Gods and Monsters, portraying what director of many Universal horror movies? James Whale. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yeah, girl. <laughs> he directed Frankenstein, The Old Dark House, The Invisible Man, and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Also, by the way, directed Showboat. What? What the? <laughs> yeah, one people, of these people, are, people aren't just not. one thing. People aren't just one thing. Number three, Lon Chaney Jr. stars in Son of Dracula as a vampiric count, but despite the film's title, he does not call himself Dracula. By what name is he known? Count Alucard. <laughs> Helen? That is correct. That is correct. I would say Rosemary's Baby is my favorite movie where anagrams are terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. That's a great one. All right, Lorraine, you are three for three. Let's see how you do with number four. In the original Mummy movie, the mummy's name is Imhotep, but in the next four Mummy sequels, what was the mummy's name? Oh, criminy. You do have two hints available. I'm going to need a hint. Helen, how about that hint? When Christopher Lee played the mummy in the 1959 British version, he had this same name. I haven't the slightest idea. You want to just throw a guess out there? <laughs> Groucho Marx. Was it Groucho Marx, Helen? It was not correct. No, I'm marks. sorry. Lewis with a chance to steal. I'll go with Imhertep, the Oxygen Network original horror series. <laughs> <laughs> Volcanic. Uh, Helen, is that correct? That is not correct. No, as much as we want it to be. No, the correct answer is Caris or Karis. Oh, Karis. Karis, yes. K-H-A-R-I-S. And it was pronounced both ways in the movie because they were not uh, terribly... <laughs> <laughs> attentive to things like that. Uh, a fun fact, uh, by the time Abbott and Costello met the mummy, they met Karis's cousin, Claris, for some reason. Uh, all right. Here now is question number five. Let's see if you can bounce back with this. There was no regular Academy Award for makeup until 1981, but if there had been, who would likely have won for his creations for Frankenstein, the mummy, the wolfman, and many more? Pierce was his last name. Yes. But I, I, let's, let's I'll give see. it to you. Yeah, it's Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce. Jack Pierce. Yes. Jack Pierce is the last Jack name. They would give that to her on Jeopardy, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Yeah, Pierce? okay, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pierce. Very, very good. Lorraine, you did very well in that round, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. <laughs> it's growing. Uh, we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Here you go. In the movie Son of Frankenstein, two different actors could claim that they played the title character, the son of someone named Frankenstein. Each of these actors went on to play much more famous characters than a son of Frankenstein. So for up to three points, who are these two actors and name either of the more famous characters they went on to play? Well, Basil Rathbone went on to play Sherlock Holmes, but I'm not sure of the other actor. I don't... I don't think I know who the other actor is. Lionel Atwell was in a lot of them. Claude Rains was in a lot of them who went on to play The Invisible Man, but I don't think that's the question you're asking. I don't know part of it. You don't know part of it. Okay, but you do, you do answer with those two. All right, well, Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have? Here with us tonight by phone from San Angelo, Texas, is a retired Marine who also appeared in two Universal horror movies in the 1930s. It's Major Donnie Dunnigan. Oh, Major Dunnigan, are you there? You bet wow. I am. I'm a joy to be on this with you. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you, Major. Uh, now, that's a very interesting resume you have. You were a Marine drill instructor who served in Vietnam. You earned a brown star and three purple hearts. Thank you for your service. Wow. Wow. Oh Thank God. you, indeed. So how did your uh, acting career and your military career mix, or did they? Yeah, they didn't mix. 
I never said a word about it. Not one word for 25 years until the last month. I'm a battalion commander at the boot camp in San Diego, working for a wonderful general that I'd worked for several times before. He didn't know until finally he got a white copy of the White House clearance on me, and he called me in his office one morning at 5.30 in the morning and said, I want you to audit the auditors. I'm a battalion commander. I got court marshals going on. I never, never talked back to him. And I said, sir, okay, sir, I'll do it at 4.30 in the morning. He reached over on his desk, and I finally noticed his dossier had my name on it. He looked at me. Now he, now he knew about the movies. He said, you will audit the auditors, won't you, Major Bambi? <laughs> well, Bill, you mentioned Major Bambi because that actually is one of the answers to the question. Uh, you, well, let's, let's get to this part now. You were actually in Son of Frankenstein. And it was a wonderful experience. That was my second film of seven. Uh, Boris Koloff could have been a stand-up comic. He was a wonderful guy. Oh, uh, he told me how to play checkers. Um, oh. Then I won a quarter from him, and then he tried to renege on it. I had a heck of a time getting that. <laughs> and then the reason they called you Major Bambi, because what was the role that you went on to play after Son of Frankenstein? Oh, golly. Tower of London and five or six other films. They were, they were uh, wonderful. We used to call them B films at the time, B movies. Um, then Walt Disney called my mother. Uh, I think I had six or seven films under my belt. I'm only age six. <laughs> And um, he called my mom and said uh, um, he wanted to, me to come up and be the facial model for an animated story about a deer. Now, mind you, we didn't have television or radio. We didn't know anything. I didn't know Walt Disney from a five-gallon milk cow, okay? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know anything about it. My mother thought this was just wonderful. Listen to this. She called my agent, who was a, an interesting man from New York in California, and I did not like him much. He was very, very rude to my mother. She called this agent and said, Walt Disney just called us. He wants Donnie to come up and do so-and-so. He came right to the house. They were living in Westwood, California. And he was eminent about my not doing this. I've got him lined up for the kid role in a Western blah, blah. Walking, working for Mr. Disney will destroy his career. <laughs> now, mind you, oh this, my God. this is 1940, right? Very rude to my mother. I fired him. <laughs> oh. Please tell me that you said in your little six-year-old voice, you're fired. <laughs> I, I, I remember this, ma'am. <laughs> I remember this well. I said, you are rude. Leave my mother alone. And no agent has been rude since. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the point I want to get to, I don't know if you quite said it, is uh, what, what did you end up doing for Walt Disney? Well, <laughs> we were going to do some things for Walt Disney. Guess what happened? December 7th, 1941. Oh, okay. oh my God. Mr. Disney was going to release Bambi the Christmas of 41. Okay? Pearl Harbor, the attack preempted everything. As you know, he didn't release it then until uh, early spring of 42. Um, he had acquired my contract from Universal, and we were going to do some other things. And uh, uh, the public today doesn't realize the courage that Disney had. He turned that whole studio over to what was called the War Department then. They made their training films and, and motivational films and uh, safety films uh, for a couple of years. Um, the war changed a lot of lives, changed my family's life. It broke up and we had some deaths. And uh, at age 14, uh, I'm in a boarding house supporting myself totally. From then to now, wow. um, when the Marine Corps uh, uh, had no idea about the services, later some a wonderful general would introduce me to, at banquets like, now here's... 
Captain Johnny Gunner, Major, he must have studied the Marine Corps and picked the Marine Corps on merit. I didn't know poop about the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> I went in the Marine Corps because a recruiter came up and said, hey, son, don't you play football? I said, yes, sir. He said, Marine Corps got a football team and they pay you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I could talk to you about this all day, but we do have to get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game goes. Uh, you heard the question that we asked Lorraine. We wanted to know, in Son of Frankenstein, who were the two different actors that could claim they played the title character, the son of someone named Frankenstein, and what were one of the... Uh, roles it became more famous for. Helen, let's remind everyone of the first answer that Lorraine gave us. Lorraine said Basil Rathbone, who and went on to play Sherlock Holmes. And is that correct, Mr. Dunnigan? You bet. That's right. That's two points for Lorraine. And I think we know now, Lorraine could not pull the other name, but uh, Donnie Dunnigan, who was that other character actor? Donnie Dunnigan. That's right. It was him, Donnie Dunnigan. And, of course, he went on to play the voice of Bambi. Oh, my God. That's amazing. And now, Lorraine, you're a, you're a voice actor now. Yes. Uh, want to talk shop with uh, Major Dunnigan? Well, Major, I mean, <laughs> did you know who Walt Disney was? I think you might have said you didn't. Oh, I spent a lot of time with him. Oh, my gosh. He was gosh. a great guy. Oh, God, that's a, amazing. He was a real leader. He wasn't a proper executive. He walked around with his sleeves rolled up helping everybody. Oh, that's so nice to know. And what are you up to these days uh, in San Angelo, Texas? Well, I, I, I tutor um, veterans in the GED that don't have high school uh, diplomas yet that oh, need them really God. bad. I tutor uh, young children that were really studied. Uh, I have uh, four young people to, to this day under the age of 17 in this country that are members of the Men's Society. I do a lot oh. of tutoring. I've worked for the Salvation Army as a volunteer, and I try to do those things that make life worthwhile. And this is you being retired. That's been very impressive, yes. Life service. I'm about as retired as a water buffalo. <laughs> well, Major, it's a, it's a pleasure to speak with you. We thank you for your service. We thank you for joining us. Uh, it's a, quite an interesting career. Everyone should, should uh, really look up and, and get a sense of all the things that this man has accomplished. We're, we're honored that you joined us. Let's give a nice hand again for Major Donnie Dunnigan. Yeah. Thank you for being Bambi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with me. Oh, not at all. Oh, you're the best. All right, Helen, at the end of that round, what is our score going into the final round? It is a hot game, Jay Keith. At the end of that round, Louis Vertel has eight and a half points, and Lorraine Newman also has eight and a half points. Wow, what a roaring comeback for Lorraine. And now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Lewis and alternate between each guest. And we'll keep the discussion to a minimum. Each correct answer is worth one point. This will determine the winner. Here we begin. Lewis, all countries in the European Union use the euro. False. Correct. Lorraine, according to the Department of State, there are no countries that begin with Z. False. Correct. Lewis, according to the Department of State, there are no countries that begin with Q. False. Correct. Lorraine, according to the Department of State, there are no countries that begin with W. False. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. Wakanda does not count, so uh, there are none. <laughs> Lewis, Venezuela was named after the city of Venice. False. Incorrect. No, it Ooh, was. Come on, Lewis. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> Lorraine, India is the world's largest producer of bananas. False. Incorrect. No, by far, actually. Lewis, Yankee Stadium is larger than Vatican City. True. Incorrect. Well, I was no, dumb, I mean. <laughs> uh, Lorraine, there is a town in Texas called Earth. 
True. Correct. Lewis, Earth, Texas is the only place on Earth named Earth. True. Correct. And finally, Lorraine, Earth is the only planet named Earth. Uh, I think that's true. That is correct. That is correct. Let's give a nice hand to both of our guests, Lorraine Newman, Lewis Rattel. Very high-scoring game, very competitive game. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on today's episode? It's a tie, J.K. What? Oh, yes. Both Louis Vertel and Lorraine Newman have 11 and a half points each. That wow. means we have to go to our tiebreaker. Oh, okay. I know. Now this will, I thought the last thing would determine a winner, so maybe I don't want to say it, but hopefully this will determine the winner. Here we go, Louis and Lorraine. The answer is a number. Whoever gets closer to the correct number wins. Now we do not play prices Right style, so you don't need to guess a dollar. Uh, I will ask the question, think about it, and then I will ask you to blurt out your answers at the same time on the count of three. So don't answer right away, give it a think. I'll say three, two, one, you blurt. Here we go. Your question is, how many official members has the band KISS had in its history? Mm. How many official members has the band KISS had in its history? Ooh, the All right, lock in your is, mental is, answers. Is I will begin my countdown. Three, two, one, Five. eleven. We have five and we have 11. The correct answer is 10. 10. Yes. Louis Rattel is your acting champion. Yay. I think I just saw a moment of, of volcanically yes. gay. Uh, <laughs> yes, a lot of snapping happening. Louis, what will you do with your championship? Oh, God. I, I will actually sleep well. I, I will dispose of this memory since I won the game. I, I, I won't revisit it years later like that spelling bee I lost after the one I won. Yeah. All right. Uh, excellent use of your championship. Uh, we're going to give our guests an opportunity to plug whatever they would like. Uh, Lorraine Newman, what do you have going on? Oh, um, you can still watch uh, Puss in Boots and Dawn on the, of the Croods on Netflix. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, my goodness. Pretty much any cartoon that you like. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear Lorraine I'll Newman. be in the Grinch, and uh, I think that's it. That's all I can remember. Well, we certainly are going to remember that we had Ms. Lorraine Newman. Yes. Louis Fertel? Uh, I host Keep It. Uh, it's on every Wednesday, and if you need someone to be meaner than average about pop culture, I'm here to do it. <laughs> he certainly is. Louis Fertel, ladies and gentlemen. You are very lucky people because your co-host has been Ms. Helen Hong. Yeah. What are you going on, my friend? Please follow me on the social medias at at funny Helen Hong because some other biatch named Helen Hong has my handles. <laughs> so I'm the funny one, at Funny Helen Hong. Thank you. Funny Helen Hong, indeed. Uh, and me, you can follow me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Lorraine Newman, Louis Vertel, Jerome Vered, Donnie Dunnigan, Helen Hong. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. <laughs> Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, like Sleepy New Yorker did. She said, a great hybrid of quiz show and talk show, where you really get to know not just the players, but the hosts and experts they bring in. P.S. Is the host straight? Single? Thanks, Sleepy New Yorker, <laughs> who oddly is my sister. <laughs> Helen? 
Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from Angel City Brewery in downtown Los Angeles. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Go Fact Yourself's theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. The show is edited by Julian Burrell. David McKeever is our live sound engineer. Special thanks to Stefan Goodrow, Adam Needeth, Christian Malmeen, Bob Bowden, Liara Saul, David Bianchi, Daniela Zeltzer, and Christine Vallada. I'm Helen Hong. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.